0: Okay, we are officially live on social media. This is Reflection Artist Live, episode number fifty-seven, and it is the week of Christmas, hence the hat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, Reflection Artist Live, number fifty-seven. We have special guests with us today: Kyle Clark, who is a CD and SV, uh, and also owner of um, Extreme Detailing in Southern California. Uh, He's been in business for 13 years, been in the industry for pretty much the same amount of time. Um, Super involved, uh, fellow Detail Mafia member, uh, IDA. I mean, he's fully invested in not just his craft, but on the industry side. And we want to kind of just uh, talk with Kyle today and get his background and what it's taken in that path to get to where he is today and kind of get some background on him. So, Kyle, of course, thank you for taking the time out. Oh, needless to say, you are a Reflection Artist demo team member as well. So yeah. we're, we're pretty close, sometimes attached to the hip, especially if we're at AFO. But outside of that, I know Kyle really, really well. But I'll let you guys uh, hear him out on his story and his background and how he got involved in the wonderful world of detail and as we know it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Justin. Hold on, I'm just sharing this on my personal social media. I went to Reflection Artist to... To, to let it blow up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I've been detailing officially business license for 13 years. Before that, since I was 13 years old, back in 1998, I've been cleaning people's cars. I, I used to clean people's vehicles um, from the city. I was about a mile away from my house, and my dad was a police officer. So, I would go and Uh, have people drop their cars off or my mom would pick up people's cars drive them to the house I would do what I used to think was a full detail and um, then take it back and I was making really good money as a teenager Um, a lot more money than my friends were, were making and you know it was all cash business back then so and what um, were
0: you at that time? I mean, were you smart about your money? I'm sure you were, but were you putting oh, yeah. it away? And I mean, yeah. teenager having money, that's, you know, it's to catch 22, right? You want to have some fun as well. <laughs> well,
1: I, I I never, I never needed, you know, to ask mom and dad for money for things. Um, I always had money. I used to mow lawns too. When I was a kid, you know, 13 years old, I was already working since I was like nine mowing lawns. Yeah. My parents had an apartment complex and so I used to do a lot of that stuff, but no, if I made a hundred bucks back then on a detail, um, which was like, you know, a hundred dollars for a detail then was a minivan inside. Now eight, it's,
0: like, eight, a, it's ten, like a $500 I, detail. Now. <laughs>
1: so I would take and go put, you know, I take like, you know, 10 bucks cause I got to pay, uh, my tithing, um, got to pay, you know, pay the Lord <laughs> and I take about 20 bucks for myself and I would go put the rest in the bank, and uh, I had a lot of money in the bank for, you know, growing up, and I would just put it in my savings. I would ride my bike down to the credit union, um, which is a, you know, a mile or two from my house, and go deposit it, and I did that for years until I, um, when I got my driver's license at 17, then I would go pick up people's cars, um, but I had to Pay for the truck, right? I had to buy the truck that I wanted, so that's the first time I really ever pulled money out of my my savings. So that's a lot, a lot of times. Thirteen years old to seventeen, putting money away regularly.
0: But at least so, you have the the money though to to back yourself on yep, getting that I've truck.
1: Never needed, um, or I've never taken out a loan to grow my business per se. You know, until I bought my van. A few years ago, that was the first time I ever financed anything. So just reinvest, reinvesting constantly in my own products and my own equipment. Um, funny thing, I, I, I like this story a lot because just kind of how entrepreneurial, you know, some of us can be when in high school, all my friends wanted a party when they graduated high school, right? Or some of them wanted a stereo system or a new car. I wanted a carpet extractor so I got a carpet extractor as my high school graduation gift.
0: Nice.
1: And, uh, I bought a really nice, like 12 gallon, uh, galaxy, uh, from EDS E D I C. And uh, I still have it. I'll I'll probably never get rid of it. I never use it anymore, but, um, it's actually sentimental to me, um, because it represented, You know, the direction I wanted to go in my life. I wanted, this is what I wanted. um, And I got what I wanted. So.
0: Yeah, that's kind of sentimental. I get, I have an old toolbox when I bought my business that came with the business from the gentleman before me that, can I get a, go go get a new one? Yeah. But I kind of just let it sit there because it's kind of a, a reminder. It sits in my shop. It's a nice old craftsman, red one, traditional, right? Yeah. And it just sits there and I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, what what I came from. That's that
1: funny. kind of, yeah. I have a couple other things. I have my first rotary polisher, my big yellow DeWalt. Oh, uh, the brick. Yeah. Um, I have, well, I would say my first, that's the first one I ever purchased. I have my dad's, um, I don't know who the brand, I'll have to look it up. The big, you know, chrome looking grinder, one speed grinder. That I learned how to buff with. Um, and so I have that still. I don't have my first porter cable. That thing was, it, you know, it grenaded years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I probably went through like seven porter cables um over time until I, you know, until I got my first flex. But between the rotary and the porter cable, that's how we used to do it. And uh, you know, I I remember like, you remember how porter cable came with that. One white foam pad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you do with this? <laughs> Why is it here? <laughs> and, and, and you could attach it, but, and then it would rip to shreds after, you know, mm-hmm. you'd use it. So I would, uh you know, glue another pad to it or something. <laughs> and then they came out with the conversion for that, the, the adapter for it. So you could actually put an, a, a Velcro pad on. That was pretty high tech, man. So, um, I had a bunch of, you know, porter cables and I had a bunch of uh, Harbor Freight tools that I destroyed super quick. Um, so that's why that's kind of where I learned to always buy quality tools. I'll say that quality products, quality tools, quality buffing pads, um, because I it, it it's not fun to be working and have something break on you. So
0: no. Uh, or have to constantly spend in the same category when you could have only spent once.
1: Yeah, when I first built my detailing trailer um, uh, in two thousand eight, I you know I put one of those cheap yellow Champion generators in in it, and uh, custom built an exhaust pipe for it so it wasn't you know heating up the box on the front of my trailer. That stupid thing! I think I bought three of them. Oh damn. Uh, before I realized, okay, this thing is garbage. Um, you know, I, I, I worked the hell out of it. It was running all day long. Let's buy, you know, a, a $3,000 generator, you know, like the Honda EU 3000 was a lot of money. I still have the same Honda EU 3000 today. Yeah. And it's just a champ, man. It, buying the quality the first time, um, it would have paid for half of that generator already. Uh, buying the other three. So um, change the oil, change the battery, clean it. It goes, man, never, never fails. And uh, so that's another lesson to always buy the quality equipment um, and not go cheap. No,
0: it's, yeah, I a hundred percent agree because that's something I learned myself with getting into detail. And I mean, in general, right. I mean, even prior to detailing when I I would help out doing like demo jobs or something that was construction related. When you're buying tools, I mean, like you had mentioned Harbor Freight, right? It's one of those companies where you buy it and use it once just to get you by if that's all the job requires. But if you're looking to do it for a daily and or for making money uh, as a craft, whatever the case may be long-term, you got to go quality. You get the best return on investment usually that way. And And don't get me wrong. There are some hiccups with some quality brands as well, but it's filtering and, or I should say, navigating through that, knowing which ones to purchase and just doing your homework.
1: Yeah, definitely. You just, you understand over time that um, when you use quality, you produce quality and um, it makes it easier on your life, less stress, you know, I've always, you know, you have this uh, efficiency. If my trailer or my van now breaks down or something that's a problem in the middle of a job, can't finish that job. And so to the point where I act, I have a backup pressure washer or a pressure washer hose in my van all the time because I've been working before and I had a hole, a pinhole pop in the, in the hose. What do you do? You disconnect it, you go grab the backup, you slap the backup on, and you get back to work. Yep. Then you go have that re- that other one repaired. You put it back on, and um, you move on with life. But it's always been that way for me. Um, I've just realized I'd rather have and not need, and maybe that's the Eagle Scout in me because I was an Eagle Scout. Um, I'd rather be prepared and and not need it than need it and not have it
0: yeah no that makes perfect sense. Now, as you grew into your business those first couple of years, at what point did you feel was necessary and see value in going after some additional training to help grow yourself and your
1: in your business? It's a good question. So about uh, about nine years ago, I you know was a college student. I was married. I was trying and I had my business. I was trying to get my degree done. And I had to decide um, because we were having our first, our first daughter, our first child. Um, and I was like, okay, do I pursue criminal justice? That was the degree I was going after. Um, or do I make this detailing thing a, is it an actual business because detailing 10 years ago was still kind of not a trade, uh, per se, you know, it it was there. It it wasn't
0: wasn't recognized the level it is now.
1: Yeah. And I was like, am I going to be part of that group that makes it a trade or am I going to go do something else where I have, you know, a set, uh, schedule, I know what I'm making every year, I have benefits, you know, what do I do? So I decided to, you know, I looked into trainings all over. Um, There were uh, a few that were offered at that time. This is kind of, you know, the 2008 market crash time. Um, And there were some trainings that were still available. And I ended up settling with uh, and deciding to go with detailing success with uh, Rennie Doyle and, and Diane Doyle. I actually went to Vegas for for, uh, SEMA just to to meet Rennie and um, figure out if that's the route I wanted. And his training was by far one of the more expensive trainings, but it was also from the syllabus online more in depth. And um, I saw the value there, even though it cost more Um, you know, I kind of looked at the other trainings where I was like, you know, 300 bucks, $400, $500 for like a day or two day class. I'm like, that seems really cheap for what I want to learn. You know, I want to learn skills to, to take this to the next level, or I'm not just looking to, you know, have someone teach me how to put wax on a car, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Those, those low entry trainings don't, necessarily
1: always offer great value exactly. it's
0: very standard don't get me wrong for a newbie Especially
1: then. i mean then i mean by looking at the syllabus right what was included literally was like how to wash a car what's clay um how to use a a, a dual action polisher because we didn't have like flex and group s were still really young then and as far as in in the states um they were around but not, you know, it was still Porter Cable, right? Um, And so this was more like what is paint correction. And I feel like for the last, you know, nine years, man, the industry's changed a lot. Um, And those people, um, those founders in the IDA and and others that led the way for you and I, we've just taken it to that next level. Um, They they give us that foundation to really... To, to make it an industry. And um, it was a struggle, man. Do you, I don't know if you remember, but after training and stuff, ceramic coatings, I had to beg people, you know, I coated my truck and uh, I had, you know, I had to be like, Hey, pour water on my truck here, throw your coffee at my truck. Yeah. It was and an uphill battle for sure. I had to beg people. Now I get calls all day long. Hey, I want a ceramic coating. I'm like, Holy cow. Uh, that never never happened you know People yeah, thought it was now they're begging oil. you <laughs> yeah people thought it was snake oil and I, literally i mean I, I i remember talking to people for hours just to sell them on a basic coding you know and um it's it's great so yeah training uh definitely helped me and it helped me decide to pursue this make it a career um now i have two daughters and um i make a living i have three sometimes four employees we're actually right now you can see here on the screen there's an engine behind me we're at it on a airport um tarmac so i brought my truck so i could sit here and talk to you today but my guys i'm watching them in my, mm. wind, my windshield they're cleaning the underside of a boeing 737 right now so um I, the opportunities that came to me because I went through training, um, and built that confidence in my skills and then my business skills have just exploded. uh, I think that
0: just to touch on that opportunities, right. You know, you could have gone to a three, four, $500 class. Um, but if, if the network wasn't there for the net worth of those opportunities, then that would have been, once you left the class, that would have been done. That, w- that would have been it, end of the road for the class. You got the, tr- the, the, the short training for whatever the class covered, and then that's it. This, on the other hand, like you just mentioned, that, that more invested kind of approach, yes, it was a higher dollar amount financially, but the return on that and the, the net worth that followed that because of the networking that gave you so many opportunities, that just skyrocketed for you. You can't even put a number on that.
1: Yeah. It thought, well, it's just, you know, they always say be around those people, right? Be around the people that you want to be like. And so I put myself in that position um, to build, build it. And the opportunities come through the confidence. Would I say that I probably would have learned a lot of these skills? Yeah. Just because the person I am, but it would have taken twice as long. Yeah, I would
0: eventually. not
1: eventually. Yeah. I would not be where I am right now. Um, you know, just, we go in different paths and I chose this path and, um, it served me well and, uh, it's brought me other opportunities that have been really great for me and for my family and for, um, for my employees. And, uh, it's allowed me to learn how to be a boss, right? Cause I, here's the deal, dude. i never had a job. I've never had a, I've never been an employee of anyone. My whole life, I'm 36. I had to learn how to run, eight, do HR stuff. I had to learn how to do payroll. I had to learn taxes and, you know, no. And I took entrepreneur um, when I switched from criminal justice to business and entrepreneurial management with an entrepreneurial uh, focus. There's guys teaching that class that have never had a business. And so you're not learning from entrepreneurs in college, um, most cases. So it was really, um, interesting to me that I had to learn all these things. They didn't teach me that.
0: No, I consider them textbook junkies. They know really well what the textbook says and they live by it, but
1: they can't walk it. And probably one of my favorite professors was an econ professor because he actually knew economics. He actually had a business. He actually left his business because he had an opportunity to do this. Um, And, and so he understood those things and that's where I learned, you know, a lot about opportunity costs um, and efficiencies and all those things that a business owner should. So, um, yeah, training led to, um, Going and, and wanting to learn more. And I would have never been where I am now had I not made the decision to go spend. Man, do you remember back then? I'm going to throw this out. Do you remember like when you went to buy a polisher or, you know, you're like, oh man, 300 bucks. Oh crap. You know, I remember when I was newly married, I bought like a $150 hose and it was like I stressed over 150 bucks. Yeah.
0: My first flex, I was like, oh my God. This expensive.
1: Oh.
0: oh, my goodness. Have-
1: and, it- <laughs> and I just sent three to get repaired. Uh, <laughs> and I just got another one, you know, and now it's like, I don't know. It's kind of weird, dude. It's just weird that where we get, um, you know, I needed some equipment. And I'd rather, you know, use the tax code now to buy that equipment and use that as a write off. So I'm like, Oh shoot, just buy it. Yep, here we go. Here's a credit card. I would have stressed like crazy over buying a, you know, new pressure washer. Now I don't even think twice. Cause I see the value. I see, um, I'm going to need it. And you know, if my pressure washer exploded today, I literally could go home and rebuild it completely and have it back to work tomorrow. Um, so you spend money differently when you, and that's become an entrepreneur. Uh, you see value in things, not prices of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, just like training, I, I saw value in spending three or $4,000 to go spend a week at training. Um, and I didn't see the value in the three or $400, $500 training. that was a day, right? Um, pretty much the same amount of money every day. But I went to a four, five-day class instead of a one-day class. I learned a lot more.
0: Yeah, and the amount of value that's in that day, day in and day out routine of that curriculum, it's, yeah. it's embedded in you more than just a, a quick day. Don't get me wrong. I do one-day extreme trainings, but knowing from experience what a five-day course does to you versus a one-day there's only so much that, you know, most people will retain as a human being.
1: Yeah, but you you do the one day extremes and I know what's covered in that curriculum. It is a thousand times more than what was offered t- nine, ten years ago for those other classes. And I'm not going to say who they are because we know who they are.
0: Yeah, well, um, you're in SoCal, right? Where well, that's the capital like, of, of detailing. I mean, that's, there's, that's, there's, there's a lot more opportunities there with that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I could have, you know, even going to Florida and, and doing a, a class there. I, I there was there's other options, right? Yeah. You know, I actually looked at Mike's class, not anything against Mike, but his was more about paint. I didn't just want to learn paint. I wanted interior stuff too. And business. Uh, and business. And um, and some of these classes, a lot of them were, were geared to enthusiasts. A lot of them were geared to car wash or dealer. Ship detailing um you know there was there's you know some in in the i guess back east right um and la san diego there was all over there was you know probably five or six that i looked at but this was more geared towards professional detailing and entrepreneurs um, going through detailing success um, not just showing you how to wax a car or how to bang out an interior like barely you know scrub the door handles scrub the steering wheel and dress the interior you know that's like what they were teaching then now I don't dress things you know I clean things and protect them um, and I want things to look like they're natural and clean so I I learned a different way of, of doing work and we always evolve we're always learning new things, but that was a great foundation for me going through detailing success. And it would be February of 2013. Cause my daughter will be nine years old um, in a few weeks. So she was just a baby when I went to training. Nice. Like nice. she was three weeks old, three months old. So. Now
0: with, with that aspect of it and it helping so much with your business, like you had covered, you know, where, where does the IDA come in for you? Where does the IDA have a, a play for you?
1: Ah, God, you brought up the IDA, um, you know, cause the IDA kind of was, um, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself in myself into in the IDA and um, the IDA, the industry has, or has nothing, had nothing uh, as far as that organization for all detailers not just like one little you know like clicks within the detailing world of trainings and so forth it was to represent everyone and to represent professionalism um, and give a, a, us a foundation right of cd certified detailer you took a test you know the basics doesn't mean you're going to be a great detailer if you can pass cd right it just means you're not going to mess up somebody's car. Um, you have a good foundation. You, you understand the, the surfaces of a vehicle. Now, I was really excited when SV came out for a few reasons. One, I was invited to be part of that first SV class, which yeah. was awesome. And then yep. it was also an honor to be you know, interviewed after with the guys. And we kind of talked through some of the, you know, what did you think? Okay, well, I don't like how you asked this question. Maybe this is a better question. So it was it was fun to be the guinea pig for the first SV.
0: Yeah, help critique it. Um,
1: it, was, it, was, it was awesome. You know, I did that at Mobile Tech uh, years ago um, and it was great. And I really think the SV, we have something there because now we know you're a skilled detailer. Your skills verified, you're validated. And, um, it's been, it's been great to, cause that is where we're going to separate the, you know, I've been able to administer SVs under an RT before, and there's people we had to fail and it's not fun, but it's also like, okay, this person knew his stuff on the outside. He can paint correct and, you know, make a car flawless. He didn't know anything about cleaning an interior. Uh, didn't know anything about a you know, pH, neutral, balanced, alkaline acid. Um, And so it it did create a standard for the industry. And the IDA um, is moving along and they've created other tests. I've been able to participate in that. Uh, I've been able to be a a part of a committee, um, a chairman of a committee, which has been great. Um, And now, right now, I'm focusing on a few other things in my life. And so when those things, I feel like I've got them figured out, then I'll probably, you know, jump back in and um, participate a little bit more in the IDA. It's kind of, you can give a lot and get a lot out of it. And then as you need to come back and and give more. Now it's not perfect. It's not, you know, going to change your business um, per se. You're not going to get customers because you have an IDA sticker on your van, but, um, it does help you. It makes you legitimate. It allows you to talk about that. You can use that as a sales tool. Um, Absolutely.
0: Got it.
1: You know, um, no one's going to go on and find the IDA website right now and say, Oh, this guy's IDA certified. I got to use them. But no, when they come in your office or they go on your website and they see that you have certifications and they looked at other people and they don't, it may, you know, it's going to help you. It's going to help you um, put people at ease that you have um, skills and you're confident in your skills and your business skills and you have ethics.
0: Or you've tried to validate the growth of your skills in some way, shape
1: or yeah. form. Yeah.
0: No. And I agree that I think that's a, that's a, a space right there, whether it be CD or SB, And that's what I think tends to get confusing in the market amongst, I say more so the detailing community versus the consumer community because consumers, If they frequently see the branding of the IDA, then they may be more familiar with it and tend to look into that and want to use somebody, but you're right. It's, it's not, it's not what they're after at the gate, but within the detail community, some tend to kind of tend to throw shade on that because of, Oh, he's CD or SV and he's doing this, or he's doing that, you know, the nitpicking stuff. And again, just because you have the certificate, doesn't mean you're exercising those well, credentials to the integrity of what they are. That's on that individual person and who they are. You know, just like people go through college, just cuz you go through college and get the degree doesn't mean now you're you're the best at that trade craft or whatever that degree had to offer.
1: I look at it like this. So I don't want people to see IDA everywhere. I want my cut my customers to see that I'm IDA certified, maybe go on the website and verify that I am and stick with me. If I have a customer that is so familiar with the IDA because they've hopped from one detailer to another, I don't really want them as a customer anyways. Um, I want them to say, oh, Kyle, you know, extreme detailing, they're certified, they're IDA, they're SV. That's my guy and stick with us, you know? And um, because, or if they're not happy with someone who was IDA and then they give someone else a chance, right? But it is that peace of mind to a customer that you've put time and effort into your business because look even though we're a trade now we're more legitimate there's still a lot of unlegitimate businesses doing what we're doing it's not hard for someone to go put a pressure washer in the back of a Toyota Tacoma um, and go out and wash cars doesn't make me deep but they're kind of flying under the banner of detailing. They're saying they're doing detailing. Uh, And that's why the IDA is so important to separate us detailers who put it in the time and money into it versus the guys that are just washing cars trying to be, but never like putting the the money into themselves, investing in themselves to get there. Eventually they're going to have to figure it out and join up and take that leap or they're just going to go away um, because they're not making any money washing cars for 25, $30. And they're just, they're not going to make a living. No. So um, it does separate the, the wheat from the tares per se, the, um, the actual detailers from the car washers um, and those who, you know, like, look, I wouldn't be here sitting on an airplane uh, or under the wing of a 737 right now if I wasn't running a legitimate business. Couldn't happen. No. They wouldn't let you in. (laughs) Insurance. You know, um, those guys that are out outside in the parking lot washing cars, looking in that us, you know, cleaning these planes, wishing they could do it, they won't because. There's a reason why they're still washing cars, and maybe they want to, but they're going to have to make some choices in order to get there. And then they realize how much it costs, and uh, then just the going- effort, just the effort itself, right? You got to uh, do work, being consistent. This didn't happen overnight. I didn't come after this. This was this was this is years of working for one one company, which led for another company, and then an opportunity was. You know, just said, hey, I didn't ask. They just said, hey, we have all these planes. Come clean them. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Where do I send the bill? That's Mm -hmm. about it. You know, and um, so it does separate us, right? And people can get there. not saying um, you're never going to do that. I'm saying you have to make some changes to do that. And just washing cars is not going to get you there.
0: No, the biggest picture is that, you know, we have basically that association, you know, that 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 uh, vessel to say yep. that is, is leading the way and it's the largest and it's the most legit vessel that the industry for us as detailers have. So that's an outlet, whether you want to plug into it or not, it's an outlet that's there that's legit and will help you in the efforts of going that same direction.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I think you know, a lot of people miss the miss the boat on because they look at things a little bit more skewed than the bigger picture of what it does for the industry.
1: Look, and there's there's things that I still want to do. You know, i you know, once you accomplish a goal, right, and you do it for a while, eventually you're you're ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. That's the entrepreneurial spirit, um, and and you want to not forget or move move along you just want to progress and so now that i've done this there's other goals that i have in the industry um you know baby steps i I have friends that you know wash cars in detail that have hired one person and they tried it and they didn't work out for them then they're scared of it believe me i've gone through a little hell um with and my own you know and you own have employees too It, it affects you personally um hiring and firing and then dealing with unemployment and all that BS, you be careful what you wish for. Uh, once you get what you want, it's not, not as easy or not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. You know? And so you got to find that, um, that happy place where you're at in your business. There's still things I want to accomplish. Um, I love to be able to step away a little bit more And focus on other projects so focus on you know my my um my um i would say responsibilities with pns um and i i do give it a lot of effort and i'm always on the phone dealing with those things but i would love to spend a couple more days a month um out visiting distributors yeah and and that's something
0: what you're saying now with the pns stuff that's See, that's, that's something again, that opportunities, right. Yep. Getting involved. Like this is not an opportunity that you just like, there was, you know, you opened up a newspaper and now hiring PNS looking for a route. You know what I mean? This was relationships. This was involvement. There's so many moving parts that created this to be like, Hey, Kyle. And then that opportunity presented itself.
1: And you knew everything that happened before that opportunity happened. You know, there's, You know, there it's kind of you've had opportunities come to you. You and I have discussed it because it's kind of there's been a few people in the industry that has made that transition from detailer to either sales rep or detailer to ambassador um, or rep like you, and it's kind of uncharted territory. There's a very small percentage of people who've done it, and so you and I have talked about that. And I had an opportunity come to me to work for a company. I chose to pass on that, but that idea was in my head and I had some conversations with some mentors and they said, Hey, why don't you write up a proposal? And I did that. And the relationships were already built, you know, the friendships, the, the, um, the trust was there. And so, um, when I wrote a proposal to to the PNS, um, they said, that's a great proposal. You can, Bob said, you can do those things. You can work on that specific thing. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but, um, but in the meantime, I need a rep in Southern California. I need someone who knows products, who's good to talk with people and can be a friend and um, to our distributors, a, um, a resource. Uh, I need someone that can sometimes be a hard ass, sometimes just be the nicest person ever. And that's been great for me. It's worked out really well. I enjoy um, doing what I do as the a sales rep for the Southern California area. And it's networking, right? It's, it keeps you out there. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah, every day. And you know, and we've took on. I took on more responsibility. I took on a little bit of the social media duties. I share that um, with Sydney and, and Bob um, because it helps my area. Um, and it helps my distributors, it gets people to see them. I share everyone, everyone's social media, not just my area, but it's part of my responsibility that I took on, um, because we needed that, you know, PNS is growing fast. And so I wanted to be part of that growth and help steer the ship, um, and, and keep constant content flowing um from all these detailers all these fans pns has tons of fans oh yeah and um not just detailers but just people who love the product line um who love the people who love the the um the testing the quality um really i mean there's some things that i've been able to do with pns even product development there's been a few products that Sydney and I played with and Rennie and and we were like, what the heck? You've had this product since 1987. This stuff's amazing. We gotta show it off. I mean, that's how Kyle's happened. You know, let's talk about Kyle's for a second. Kyle's boat in our viewer store, kind of a joke. Um, how it happened, but um, not joke, but a, a little humor. So I was doing a fleet of school buses for a school district. I had like 75 school buses to polish. And I was using another brand of products, it was working good for me, but I wanted to know what PNS had, so I reached out to Bob Phillips said, Hey, what do you have that works great on fiberglass, on oxidation, on this? And he, and he sent me a product. He said, This stuff's amazing. So I started using it on boats, started using it on RVs because I do a lot of boats and RVs down here. Next thing I know, we took that product and gave it a whole new direction, and uh. Now it's called Kyle's Boat and RV Restore. Now that was kind of Bob's idea. He said, oh, we're, you like it. We're going to call it Kyle's. Uh-huh. And that's how that happened. It's because I found something that was amazing. That's been around a long time, probably sold well, but now it has a new focus and it still sells well in both categories. And it's doing great because it's, it's, I vetted it, right? I used it on hundreds of RVs and boats over years before and i'm saying years before we actually put my face on the bottle and um that was all his idea so that's now now, what what is
0: that product as far as like for somebody who may have interest in you speaking on it at at this point what does it do and what's the purpose of it
1: it's a finishing polish with some a mild abrasive it's very oily um has lots of polymers in it um has wax in it and it is meant for light oxidation or fading on fiberglass surfaces like a boat, um, like an RV, that the fiberglass surface dries out. Um, Southern California, everyone lets boats and RVs sit outside. It's meant to feed and rehydrate that surface to bring that shine back out. Um, it's not a cut product. You can use it to cut if you want to use a, a Euro wool. Uh, a lamb's poly, the uh, which is my favorite pad for it, cutting and finishing. Um, but it is meant for light to medium fading and dull, dull oxidation. Um, and it works great on old fiberglass and new fiberglass. Um, on gray and tan and white fiberglass, um, what we call fiberglass reinforced plastic um, for some of these newer RVs and, and, uh, and trailers and, and it works great on school bus hoods. That's what, that's what I, what, why I got it from Bob. It works great on those fiberglass hoods on the Freightliner, um, or international hoods. Cause it's like a single stage, you know, um, gel coat and they oxidize. Yeah.
0: So a little protection cool. left
1: behind little bit of protection left behind i mean it's not gonna you let your stuff sit outside in the sun and rot yeah right it's not gonna do you a lot of good you know for years but it's gonna leave months of protection you can follow it with bead maker you can follow it with um, we have a product called challenger which is a boat and rv wax um, to add more protection but um, that's kind of how <laughs> it's pretty cool um, it was just kind of uh, really, it was kind of a little bit of a joke, I guess. I wasn't really in on the joke. You know, Bob was just like, oh, we're going to call it Kyle's. Um, and that was interesting because that opportunity, that would not have happened if I would have, and I didn't realize this at the time, if I would have pursued um, a, another opportunity with a manufacturer that came up with me, that that um, made me an offer, it would never have happened. So... Uh, it's amazing how opportunities and relationships, you know, um, are, and I've learned this from my mentors, are are so important.
0: Yeah, no, that that is probably one of the most important things. I mean, the craft itself is fun, right? Makes you money, but the relationships yeah. and everything that come with that, uh, in the networking, you again, there's no value on that because that presents itself to things that come across that you may have never had the opportunity for,
1: but that relationship created that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all of those, those individuals that sit back in, and just detail and look at these other individuals in the industry that are, are moving and shaking and doing things that did not happen because they were just sitting around. Justin didn't become uh, the face of buff and shine. And now um, and working with Auto Geek because Justin was good looking with tattoos. Justin made that happen, and uh, and it's been it's been my pleasure and um, to watch that happen with you. You know, you I first remember meeting you Air Force One dude had a big old like surfer like uh, what do oh you yeah the it?
0: cowboy hat with the IDA logo yeah, on it yeah. Like, <laughs> like, My wife hates
1: that. Jessica hates that hat. Yeah. Had a master on his shirt or something. And man, he came out and it was humbling. You kind of got humbled there a little bit. And, but you listened to your mentors and man, it just, you exploded. And you got involved in the IDA, became IDA board member, IDA president. It takes work. It does. It definitely takes some work. and we all have our different passions, not something I was interested in doing. I want to serve. I wanted to give. That's why, you know, I was happy to be a committee chairman um, and we'll have different, you know, highs and lows or opportunities come to us in time, but we just kept our nose to the, the grindstone of the industry and kept giving. And then it gives back and then we're going to take for a little bit and then we're going to give back. And that's just kind of how it is. But um, opportunities, opportunities, don't just come to you. Uh, they come to you when you've already put yourself uh, in, in their way.
0: I think the biggest uh, statement to that is owed to Renny in regards to deposits and mm-hmm. withdrawals, right? You know, you continue to make deposits effortlessly without thinking about the withdrawal. And then eventually yep. the withdrawals naturally happen.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I've given a ton of deposits in the industry and in, in, the, in the network and the mafia for years. Sometimes we're going to give more and take, um, take less. And sometimes we're going to take more and give less. And, um, that's okay. Cause there's always seasons in our life, you know, and, and, um, things will always change and we have to focus on certain things. And so, um, as we get older, we mature, we've realized that now we're just trying to, I'm trying to help some of the younger guys that ask me these questions realize that sooner. Um, cause I remember how it was to be where they are and, um, help them become better faster. Now
0: with this level of involvement and how much time you've taken to grow to where you're at, do you feel that all those efforts have allowed you to buy time back for your wife, your life, and your girls?
1: Um, yeah, in some ways, you know, because you have money um, is key to having, you know, fun, right? You, you want to go somewhere. You want to do something. It's nice to have that. Um, I've realized recently that I need to spend more time with my family Um, and I've been taking a lot more trips and doing things with my wife because I can now, um, I have a good crew right now. We went through a couple years of, uh, you know, some crap, um, with COVID and employees and other employees. I had employees that didn't want to work right now. I have a a good crew. I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to help build them up, help train them, teach them so that they can, work on things while I'm not there Uh, but they are also realizing too that I am I'm evolving and I don't want to be in a scissor lift like I'm watching my my main guy right now clean the side of this plane Um, that I I want to be doing this stuff and growing and um, the business so trying to get your business to the point where you have time to go do things with your family um, takes a lot of work and it's hard, but when you get there, enjoy it because it's not going to last. And then you'll have to dive back in again. I don't think any entrepreneur, um, has it easy where he just sits back and watches his business, making money. You know, I, I, I have to jump in constantly. I have an employee that's sick or something. I have to jump in and, and totally messes your schedule up. Um, I, I know entrepreneurs and business owners that run large companies that have to jump in a forklift sometimes and move some pallets. Um, that is just part of the calling or of being an entrepreneur. So making the best, um, time, may, uh, with your family is, is most important. I just got back from a trip with my wife I'm home for a few days and then it's Christmas and we're off again for another family trip for for uh, for Christmas with me and my and my wife and daughters and my family. So um, working your butt off my butt off has made those opportunities happen. Um, but you can still have fun with your family if you don't have money. You know, if yeah. you don't. Oh yeah. You know, you just got to you know be creative. You know, we when covid happened and they shut everything down in California. We didn't sit around, man. We took the side-by-side out into the mountains. We were around no one. We had a blast. Um, we broke stuff and we had, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. We went to the beach. You couldn't park in the parking lot of the state park, but the beach was open. So we just parked and walked and, you know, just had a good time. We sat at the beach and the girls played in the water and we weren't near anybody. Everyone was out. El- Everyone else was home, hiding under the covers. We were out enjoying life when no one was around. It was <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, and and I stayed working the whole time, and uh, I kind of missed that COVID traffic, man. There was no one on the road, I yeah, everywhere I wanted. Oh, uh, shoot! I mean, CHP wasn't even pulling people over. I've never, you know, my van was doing 85 down the freeway, and I was you know, barely seeing a car. It was great. So you just got to take, you know, um, opportunities to spend time with your family, be creative because I've realized, um, more now than ever that my daughters are growing up, man. My daughter will be nine years old in a few weeks. And I'm like, crap, man, in nine more years, she'll be 18. And, uh, I don't want to miss that, you know, time with her. Um, cause it, they're awesome. I know you do the same thing. You and I chat sometimes you're on your way home. All right, man. I just pulled in the driveway. It's family time. I'll talk to you later. I love it. That's what we got to do.
0: Nice. Yeah. Or that, or I get the hammer on me from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> <you> gotta do. <laughs> No, it's definitely balanced. So as far as um, time, we're getting close on time or on time, I should say with, with everything, Kyle. So give uh, some of the viewers details, anybody who's listening some last words of advice directly from you. Something you feel that would be really important because you've covered a lot of really good subjects. You've along the way of those subjects, given advice with that, but is there something that you would think that's important directly from you? Um.
1: I've learned recently recently in the last probably four years, five years, uh, my biggest thing is to be come comfortable being uncomfortable and to be okay with being okay with failing. I've always been scared to fail. It's one reason I've probably kept my business as small as it is never grown and had a big shop or even though I am looking for a, a place right now, um, constantly, um, but it's not, I'm looking for something very specific, um, uh, but be okay. Learn how to become uh, okay with failure. Uh, and that, you know, something I've always been scared of. So it's, it's a process taking years to be more comfortable with that. And then, um, do hard things, become more comfortable being uncomfortable. you know, a lot of people are scared to talk to uh, their customers. A lot of people are scared to open their mouth and, you know, say hello to someone nowadays. So we aren't very social, even though we have a thing called social media. Um, so become comfortable talking to people, become comfortable starting conversation and realize that nothing is going to come to you um and if it's easy it's probably not you know good for you or worth it it's going to be hard work to achieve what you want um l- read books um i'm not a huge reader but when i'm working i love listening to audiobooks i remember everything i hear in audiobooks i do not remember very much that i actually read so if you're that kind of person just fill your brain with knowledge whether you read it or you hear it and um yeah that that's one thing I wish I would have learned at a younger age is to learn to be that failure is okay and take risks um because i probably be further along than I am now but then again I like where I am right now so um I like the you know the direction I'm going. Very nice.
0: And how will how what's a good way of people to get a hold of you?
1: So um at Extreme Detailing Kyle on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Instagram I'm on a little bit more often. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I when I get on Instagram, I'm usually on PNS's Instagram. Um when I log in, I'm pretty much always logged into PNS's Instagram for resharing content. Um, but I do check my Instagram DM. Um, I, my business is uh, email is Kyle. Uh, is it Kyle at extreme detailing USA.com is from, is my email for, for anyone for that. Um, if it's PNS related, it's, Kyle at PS sales.com. Pretty simple. That one's yeah. easy. Yes. Sales, but Instagram is probably where you're going to get me. Um, unless you email me. It's um, extreme detailing Kyle. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you. Let me come on today. Talk. We didn't really talk about paths much, That's it. but I did say, I love the Euro wool. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, That blueberry, those are my, my go-tos, man. You you can correct anything with those two pads. Well, the good thing I love about the podcast is everything's on the fly. It's not scripted.
0: So, you know, (laughs) and it's not, it's not a, it's not a pad driven or brand, you know, a product driven podcast. It's, it's a people podcast, you know, it's the industry, it's the people in the industry, whether it be the manufacturers, the CEOs, the owners, or, us just the technicians just getting together and and chatting about business life in detail. and detailing and that's that's really what it's all about and that way we could get the message across so people could see the hardship of how some come up in the industry the story behind and have more of a understanding and or respect for certain individuals that maybe only get seen as one way on social media
1: i you know it's funny i recently learned that i talked to someone that um I, I reached out and talked to someone that thought I was cocky about something and ended up realizing that was, I wasn't in a good mood the day that I met this person. Um, and we had a great conversation. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to uh, get to know people or them to get to know you. Uh, I like these opportunities to do this because it makes it easier later. Um, I really like talking to people. I'm, I'll be at Mobile Tech. Um, the Mobile Tech Expo in Florida at the end of January. So um, if you're watching this, come out, see me. Um, I'll be there with PNS, probably a little bit of buff and shine. Um, I am going to be teaching a, a class on RVs um, on pricing RVs and services for RVs. Um, uh, help people um, get their pricing structure for RVs figured out. It's a constant question I get and um so if you're in mobile tech or you're thinking about going see me in florida we'll have a great time awesome well kyle thank you uh again
0: uh we have our guest here kyle clark this is reflection artist live number 57 the week before christmas so that's just in a couple of days and so thank you everybody who taken the opportunity what's that kyle
1: merry christmas
0: yes merry christmas everybody who's had the opportunity to to listen and or watch now. Thank you. Or, you know, when you have the opportunity, thank you. And of course, Merry Christmas and Kyle, Merry Christmas, bud. And I will, uh, I will talk to you either in a couple of days or after we're always connecting. So either way, but thanks thanks for being on. No problem. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kyle. Merry Christmas and everybody else. Merry Christmas. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.